Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets, you name it. If it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out is 2,500 a month. Uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out, noboringdesign.com, noboringdesign.com. Welcome to season three of Best in SaaS, where we talk through patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to 100 million in ARR and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Season three is brought to you by Chargebee. Chargebee helps SaaS businesses of all sizes maximize their growth potential and revenue with a leading global subscription management platform that delivers fast time to value plus exceptional service and support. Learn more at chargebee.com. All right, we're live. Nicholas, I am so excited to have you on the pod today. Um, we have Nicholas Vandenberg, CEO of Chili Piper. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, at this point, most of the SaaS industry knows who you are, knows a little bit about your story, but I'd love to just kind of start at the beginning. I love that you started selling newspapers in the street of Paris uh, when you were in high school, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, I was trying to make a, a bit of money to pay for my studies. And um, what I found is that uh, there was a, a way that I really enjoy making money. At the time, I was studying math and I was very advanced. And most of my friends were teaching math, right? So they would do it. They would give uh, private lessons and... And what I found myself is, uh, I found that selling was much more fun and even uh, selling at the very basic level. So selling newspaper in the street, when, when I, uh, started doing that, I outsold everybody 12 to one. So I came back, you know, they would, they would throw us in the street. We'd come back with our pile of papers and how much have you sold? And I also, and you know, you name it, that do it and, uh, like make people laugh, make people serious, uh, get them worried, but they, they would just buy my newspapers. So I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and, uh, it's funny because, uh, then I went to study math and computer science and a lot of my classmates, uh, found it very awkward to sell, you know, like they, uh, and it's, it's just, uh, lovely. So it's, when they would say, damn, I've got to go and do a presentation or something like that, I said, let me do it for you because, uh, I, I just uh, love it. So it took many years, but finally later I combined the two passions, which is uh, around the tech and sales by doing a sales tech company. So that's Chili Piper. I mean, you've, you've started and sold three successful tech companies now prior to Chili Piper. And you also are the CEO currently of, uh, Cosmo Time. So you, right. you, you have your hands very full. Are there, I'm curious, you know, I, I, I always love digging into origin stories a little bit because I feel as though we get these kind of, essential pieces of our personality or the ways that we um, approach business problems later in life from some of those early, sometimes hard earned lessons at the very beginning. Are there any, any kind of universal 
lessons that you that you carry with you still from those early days uh, selling papers in the streets? Well, my life has had a new beginning. Um, I went. I was fortunate to go to a Stanford Business School in in, in my late twenties. Uh, I had grown up in the south of France, in Marseille. Uh, the only entrepreneurs were car resellers, you know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my, so I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. Then I, when I went to a Cole Polytechnic Scientific School, uh, I was I became part of the French elite, so to speak. So most most of us would go to large for go to work for large companies. And then I was fortunate to um, get accepted at Stanford. And when I landed there. Um, one of my classmates, uh, was now quite famous himself. Um, his name is uh, Steve Jefferson from the DFJ and uh, his mm -hmm. new VC fund, uh, invited Steve Jobs to talk to us. And it was just a few weeks into, into the, the class. And, uh, Steve at the time was running next. And the joke was that uh, next was going, uh, next to nowhere. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because he was really struggling and he sat on the floor of Steve Jobs and he started telling us how he had reinvented the world with Mac and he was going to reinvent the world with Next. And for me, it was completely eye-opening and, uh, and uh, I thought, this is what I want to do when I grow up. Um, I just want to do tech that changed the life of people and uh, influences uh, ideally millions, you know, in, in, in how they do uh, run their life and their work. So that, that was a pivotal moment in my, in my life, uh, even though it was not it was in my late twenties. Um, I immediately, immediately started my first company. And as fate would have it, it was really, really odd. Um, I started my first company in partnership with John Scully, the very guy who had fired wow. Steve Jobs. Right. I know it's <laughs> odd, right? <laughs> I fired Steve Jobs. And I started with John Scully. Um, it's just coincidence because John Scully, um, was I just left Apple. He was looking for a new tech to get involved with. I had a friend who had invented a, a new tech to do, uh, uh, image editing and, um, and the tr three of us got together and said, let's do a company. And, um, you know, occasionally at night, I'd ask John to tell me stories about Steve Jobs because I still had this, this <laughs> fascination for Steve Jobs. And it was very funny because, um, by then Steve Jobs had not yet, uh, become the hero that we all know, right? He was still the guy who, who was a bit of a weirdo and, and did, did one success, one failure, right? So the odds were even, uh, but, John Scully already acknowledged that there was something special about Steve. He used to say that Apple is not a company, it's a cult. And mm -hmm. when he was given a cult to run, it was very difficult to run it the same way. Um, so he was, he was very humble about it. He, he didn't, uh, and very reasonably positive on uh, Steve Jobs. In any case, that's how I got started. And that for sure has marked me. Uh, there's one quote by Steve Jobs that, uh, I always remember. So back to your question of things that, that uh, influenced me to these days. Uh, and it, you can find the video on YouTube. It says uh, that um, one thing that changed his own life was the day when he realized, he says, that everything that's around you was invented by somebody no smarter than you. And when you know that, then you say, well, don't I go and invent it myself and do something else? And, and, and uh, Sometimes I look at products and I say, everything. you think somebody invented that? I've got to understand what that person in mind. Another time I think I've got to do a product and there's no reason why I can't invent something better than what's out there. So that has been a very strong influence on, on my career. I love that. So both of these companies that you have right now, Chili Piper and Cosmo Time, I mean, Chili Piper, roughly around 2016, you started Cosmo Time roughly around 2018, but you'd already sold three companies before that. So I'm curious. As you were approaching your go-to-market 
and we can talk about either pick pick whichever you'd want to chat about but um maybe starting with chili piper how did you approach your go to market based on any of the lessons that you felt were applicable from those other three successes um and what were some of the things you were purposefully trying to kind of index for and navigate around mistakes you're trying not to make potentially again like are the, how did you how did you approach that yeah and um it's something fascinating because uh, you would hope that there's a secret uh, recipe that's going <laughs> to work and you just do it again and again uh but there isn't um in my case, I've done very different companies. So I've done a consumer software. That was my first with John Scully. Then I did a B2B uh, e-commerce tech. Then I did a biometrics company. Uh, Chili Pepper is a B2B sales tech and Cosmo Time um, is as a twist to B2C. And as a result, all of the go to markets are very different. And, and every time I've had to rethink and reinvent uh, the go to market, there, there are some common components. I mean, obviously one of them is what I call the bullseye strategy. Because in, in every uh, market, there are influencers. So the bullseye strategy is the idea of uh, to target them as the center of your bullseye uh, target. Find these influencers. And then they will do a lot of the work for you to spread the message because people look up to them and they took them. So when we started Chili Piper, um, um, Alina and I, my co-founder and, and wife, uh, we went after companies that were respected in sales tech. So, uh, for example, our first customer was Greenhouse in New York. It was very uh, well known uh, as a fast-growing company. Quickly, we signed Square as a customer. Then when we built... So, our first product was for sales development reps. Then when we started building a product that was more um, applicable to demand gen people, we went to talk to Segment, the marketing company. And then segment adopted or they did an A B test with our product called concierge. They found that we doubled the inbound conversion rates. So we published that. And then of course people look up to segment in the marketing world. So they say, what, what's going on? So, um, I've tried to do the same thing at, um, uh, Cosmo time. I've looked for people. So Cosmo time is about productivity. It's about, uh, it's a personal, uh, productivity assistant. It's something that I decided to do because I couldn't find the right tools to help myself be more productive. Um, so it, it combines multiple aspects of productivity, such as uh, a to-do list with a calendar with distraction blocking. And uh, we very quickly went to the same thing, the productivity influencers. So one of them is Nir and Eyal, who wrote the book um, Hooked. And after that, he wrote a book called Indistractable. So we went to Nir and said, hey, uh, that seems to... Impl we sort of, by design, we implemented the principles of his book. So we had him, um, you know, list us and and talked about our, our product. So it's a, it's the same. Um, there are some common components, but the go-to-market uh, Chili Piper was very much um, top-down. We targeted companies and we just contacted them and a lot of the time I'd go to trade shows and just look at the badge of the person and say, hey, you, I want to talk to you. Uh, whereas uh, whereas uh, Cosmotem is um, mostly online. So we, we, we build, we're building, as, as we speak, we're building our of followers, we started a YouTube channel, and we we have a very different um, approach to go to market. So it's it's a, I guess it's what makes it fun. You have to reinvent every time, right? You have to find a, a new ways to to do it every time. So uh, this next question, I think, is um, it's always easier to answer when you're growing as quickly as Chili, chili Pepper is growing. So I, I suspect you'll you'll feel comfortable answering it. But were there any things early in that go to market motion, or even recently, where 
bets that you made that didn't pan out or you thought that they would. And it turned out, you know, whether market timing, product, whatever it was that you had to try something else instead to see the growth that you've seen. Many. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think, you know, when I think, uh, of, I mean, in terms of being wrong, I think this is what's wrong with me, but, um, <laughs> then you, then people say, oh, it's amazing what you've done. You know, we have a lot of interest from potential investors. Like every week I receive like five emails and, and people say to me, oh, it's so impressive what you've done cheap ever, especially because we bootstrapped, like we, we, we actually grew on our own funds. And yet it's amazing because I feel that we've made so many missteps and mistakes. <laughs> um, but to name one, um, um, particular one, let them, in 2019, we, we raised a little bit of seed money with Bootstrap for three years, specifically to build some R&D around the new products around Inbox. So my theory was that uh, a lot of the attention for sales and revenue teams would go around emails and, and that was the problem to be solved. And that if you solve a problem with email, then scheduling is going to be included in it. That was kind of my, my, my fear, right? So it's, you know, in the Inbox and everything is happening there. And it's not, uh, two things happen. Um, a, it's not at all the case. There's all think of calendaring and scheduling that remain outside of email and people are still looking for a specific solutions. So that's exemplified by uh, our success at Chili Pepper, but also Calendly's success, you know, in, 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 and the second thing that the inbox is actually much more complicated than you think to, to do something really good is much harder than you think. Uh, and so, um, the threat that I thought that other people could do it, it was actually not real. So we backed out. We actually, it's, it's a rare thing, but we, we pulled out with a good product. Um, but we thought, you know, it's good, but it's not as good as the other stuff that we have on the, the scheduling side. So we're going to pull it back, focus on scheduling, grow the business and bring it back at some stage. So we will bring it back at some stage, but, um, it, it's been an interesting, uh, experience, um, to think, that we have a good product and yet we don't bring it to market because uh, in the end, that's, it's, it's not going to help us grow as fast as we want. Sometimes it seems like knowing which darts not to throw and then having yeah, the right, uh, exactly. self-control not know, to I've, throw. I've, I've read that quote before that in a startup, it's as important to decide what not to do versus what to do. And sometimes if you decide the wrong thing to do, then it's important to back out and say, let's not do it. It's, it's, we're on the wrong path and we react quickly. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that. I just recently gave a talk at Harvard Business School to a group of entrepreneurship and marketing students. Uh, and I, I said to them kind of the same thing that you, you said, which is like, what works well? So it's different every time, many times. So it's almost easier to share what, ha what doesn't work or the things to avoid generally that they feel more universal. That's true. Then, yeah. If the update, uh, I think the quote you see a lot from Tolstoy that said every fa happy family is family is happy the same way and every unhappy family is unhappy its own way. But I think the opposite in take a problem is like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, uh, you know, you can be successful in many different ways in your own way, but being unsuccessful is, is a, a very common, same way to get unsuccessful. And the, the main thing to be unsuccessful is to uh, um, specify that people have a problem and then, and, and people get excited to say, I'm going to do this and that for you and say, Oh, that's awesome. But really, they don't really have a problem. The solution is, is there. They just, uh, that's the most common thing to build, build a product where the, the current solution is actually good enough. And people yeah. uh, will say, uh, that they love your product just to make you happy, but really not interested in, in making a change in the, in their behavior.
I'm I'm definitely going to steal this uh, reverse Tolstoy <laughs> line from you. That was a good one. <laughs> All right. So before we get on to the second half of this episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our close friends over at Mattermade. For those of you who don't know them, Mattermade helps some of the fastest growing B2B SaaS companies drive revenue as an extension of their marketing teams. We're talking companies like Dropbox, Calm, Loom, Product Board, and many others who trust Mattermade to help them drive their marketing and demand gen initiatives. You can check out their seemingly endless supply of case studies over at mattermade.co. Now let's get back to the episode. Um, so one one thing I'd love to chat about, I mean, you've in our previous conversations, you've said that you were remote before remote was cool. Um, and, and I know that you do this interesting thing around decision memos. Tell, tell us more about that. Yeah. Let me talk about both because uh, I feel strongly about both. So the remote before remote, it was cool, came from a, a very simple set of two principles. Uh, Alina is from Romania. I'm from France. So obviously, uh, we, uh, strong belief that there are smart people everywhere and we should just go and find out where they are. And the other uh, thing that's uh, characteristic of Alina and I, that we love traveling and we love being different places. And we thought nowadays within a computer, people should be able to work from wherever they want. So we started to everything. We hire people anywhere as long as there's talent and we let them work from anywhere. So I have a guy who, uh, I interviewed, he was in Leeds, I say, uh, in Northern England. And I said, um, all right, so you're going to be based there. I said, no, no, no. As soon as you hire me, I move to Colombia. I go to Medellin because I love the town, you know? And so that's, uh, <laughs> I think it's beautiful, right? To see people uh, from all, all sorts of places move. We actually were in Medellin next, last week to go visit him uh, with Alina uh, and, and party there. I know that's sort of a sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I benefit of, of chili pepper that you, you have an amazing uh, travel life. So that that was the foundation of the uh, the remote. And as we started on the remote uh, operations, then naturally our processes adapted, right? So um, one of the things uh, that I read about was um, so, um, I have a lot of admiration for Jeff Bezos at Amazon. So I, I read a lot about what he's done and how you approach the thing. And, and one of his um, technique is um, to do meetings very differently, where instead of having people do PowerPoint, he has them write six pages memos, right? So you spend the first 25 minutes in a meeting reading the six-page memo, and then you discuss it. And his view is that by writing a, a detailed memo, it helps uh, um, bring all of the facts and elements that are relevant and articulate them correctly. So we started doing that, but because we remote, we say, okay, well, that memo, uh, we have to put it online, right? So for people to read. So we put a Google Doc with a six-page memo and so on. And then people look at the memo before the meeting, which is a good idea, and started commenting on it. And then more comments and more comments, and then realized that it was much more efficient than a meeting to do it asynchronously. Because you have time to read, you don't have, maybe you are, uh, have a glass of whiskey and can think of it, uh, you know, <laughs> from authority or maybe you, um, and so naturally this became the way we make decisions at TV Pepper. And when, when we realized how effective it is to make good decisions, we, we generalized it. So every important decision is a decision memo. Um, if we choose, and just as an example, we, uh, just looked at, uh, 
software for our customer success, right? So which software should we use? Boom, decision memo, everybody contributes. And the, the interesting thing is that it's not a vote. We're not voting and people contribute to that. It's there's a leader and people bring their views, both the fact that they're aware of and how they think we should look at the fact. And then a decision is made. And now we've just made a, an improvement on the process because obviously um, every, I review every decision memo. So in the end, at the end, to make a decision, you, you fundamentally make a prediction, right? If, if, if they say, we think that for our use case, plan hat is better than gain site, then you have to predict that gain site, plan hat is actually going to be indeed better than we would have gone with gain site. So there's, there's some interpretation. And, um, I don't want people to just always assume that, uh, I make the decision and the right interpretation. So we created the contrarian club, the contrarian. And that comes from, uh, what's his name? The Peter Thiel, the contrarian yeah. view. Yeah. So the, the idea that if you have a different prediction and you think that based on the different prediction, we should do something different, you write it on the memo. And if you write, if you correct a few months later, you get a thousand dollars. Oh, I love that. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. With that, that the hope is that uh, we, we started getting already that people think I think you're wrong and, and I'm, I'm logging into the contrarian club, uh, to, to, to express my view. Um, but it's, so it's a fun thing, but it's, it's very, very effective to, to make decisions. Um, and it's working very, very well for us. It's a, something that, uh, I found you'd expect in a, a lot of people think in a meeting you're able to uh, brainstorm and sometimes it's good to be online to brainstorm with people, but often taking the time to rethink about something, research and, and, and get your views. Um, it's just more effective. Yeah. So that's a, one of the techniques. Yeah. I love that. Is, um, so do you at the outset, do you say, here's the decision memo and, you know, I'm taking feedback for the next X period of time or how do you time bound? Yeah. That's right. So, so. Everybody, it's not me writing all the decision memo, of course. So each, each stakeholder is going to take the lead and write the decision memo. And many different people write decision memos from product managers to VPs to even salespeople if they want to recommend something. Um, and yet we time on it and the time on dep- depends, uh, on the size of the decision to be made, right? So if it's a simple decision, we'll just have a few days out there to contribute. If it's, uh, like a software decision on which software to go with, is a long process and we're going to spend typically, I don't know, it would have been three to four weeks of data collection and at least two weeks of, uh, of input and discussion. Hmm. Um, so it can be six weeks where the shortest would be just uh, three or four days. Yeah. We've had a, a similar or adjacent experience where we're also, our team is all remote and, uh, and was before COVID and we started using Loom, the video tool, yeah. To, uh, to just circulate context before meetings. And then what we pretty quickly realized was that people would comment within the loom and we wouldn't need to have the meeting anymore. And we'd get into this meeting and go, what, uh, I guess we don't really need to have this anymore. Everybody's on the same page. Uh, and so, and it's funny that so loom became a client of ours for go to market, um, growth work. And it turns out that's actually their, where their vision is headed, right? Is in the space of asynchronous communication and, and reducing the need to have. Uh, meetings in this way. So I thought it was yeah. fa- fascinating that we kind of stumbled our way into that. Yeah. yeah. I uh, see one of our guys in product marketing, uh, Jason, uh, whenever he wants to make his point, he does a little loom video and you're right. It's very effective. Uh, and, and you can comment on it. It's, uh, I think David Kensel at Drift, uh, 
also uh, sends all these memos as, as video vo or voicemail to, uh, to make it more lively, I guess. Yeah, okay. no, that makes sense. I think Loom has a good uh, market uh, there to play. So uh, as we wind down our conversation, I'd, I'd love to ask you, you know, you're, to, to most people, it would look like you are at the absolute top of, of career. You've had multiple successes already, and now you have potentially I, I, two I'll tell, tell you, frankly, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, so no, that's... No, no, we started... Uh, no, I've, I've had exits um, um, because it just happened that way, but... Um, uh, this time with both TD Pepper and Cosmota, we want to build large companies. We, uh, and, and you see now in SaaS, uh, the uh, upside is so much larger than it used to be and so much faster. So, uh, so I'm, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I certainly don't feel I'm at the peak. I certainly think I'm at the beginning, at the very beginning. That's how I think of it. Uh, well, so the reason I asked this question is because I, I, I think that from the outside, it looks like that. But from the inside, as you just shared, you know, you have a totally different lens. So I'm curious what right now feels like the next big thing that you want to tackle and, and like the biggest challenge that you're facing right now that you're excited to tackle this year. So you won't be surprised, especially given your, your, your activity that for both Cosmotime and uh, T Piper, the biggest challenges are growth. At any time, you need to grow, and and if you grow fast, you need to grow faster. Like you double, we need to triple. If you if you triple, then you need to uh, <laughs> just keeps ratcheting up. That, that's right. So at, at any time, that's what happened. But I love it because at any time you have to find new levers, right? So at the beginning, we cost more time. We have to get the product right, otherwise we don't grow because people don't like it. Um, at Chili Pepper now, we're at the point where we need to get our go to market right. So that we're doing a lot more on the. Uh, on the marketing and sales and scanning of the sales team. Um, uh, so it's a bit like what we were saying earlier. I mean, to be successful, you have to have different ways, different things to do, but it's, it's always about growth, but, um, uh, it's super, I wouldn't do anything else. It's super exciting to, like when people say, I'm playing games on a computer or on a phone, I say, what would I play games? I have a real world game in front of me where I have to figure out things, you know, how to play and where to, deploying my assets and so on. So um, I love it. I also love uh, growing people. So now we're close to 100 people at City Piper and we have uh, what we call, uh, we call it Piper Plan because we call our employees the Pipers and, and there's plan to grow them. So what they want to become and how we can help them grow. And when you see people promoted with a lot of people promoted, it's super rewarding, right? It's, it's as rewarding as signing up a new customer to get somebody who's now who started an SDR and is now a senior account executive, uh, closing deals and beating records. So that's a, a great joy of the job. So speaking of, uh, of growing people, who have been some of the mentors for you along your path? Yeah. So as I mentioned, Steve Jobs, even though I wasn't exposed to him uh, for a long time, uh, he had a very strong uh, um, imprint because uh, I, from my exposure to him, I, I researched a lot of the things he, he, uh, he said and did. Um, then um, I've not, um, a lot of people uh, end up working for somebody who is their star. That hasn't happened to me. Um, so, I mean, I've loved my first boss when I was doing strategy consulting. He was a very uh, smart guy. But uh, he, he had a very different ways to do things than I did. So uh, it's really been um, um, 
looking for these role models outside of my own experience. Like I mentioned, Jeff Bezos, or I look at Jeff Bezos. I look at a lot of uh, Warren Buffett also, how he thinks of things. So it's, it, I've borrowed the, um, the influence rather than experience the influence, I would say. Fair enough. Well, Nicholas, this has been really fun. Thank you for, uh, thank you for chatting with me and, um, best of luck with, with Chili Piper's continued growth and, and Cosmo time as well. Yeah. Thank you.